Today's Republican Party is gutting the middle class, threatening our democracy. That's why I'm running for the U.S. Senate. To be your next U.S. Senator. It's nearly two years until Election Day and California's U.S. Senate race has already begun. Welcome to It's All Political on Fifth and Mission. I'm Joe Garofoli, The Chronicle's senior political writer. That first voice you heard was Burbank Congressman Adam Schiff. He announced Thursday that he would be running. Last week, Orange County Democratic Congresswoman Katie Porter was the first to throw her hat in the ring. She launched her campaign just days after beginning her third term in the House. And Oakland Congresswoman Barbara Lee is also expected to run. The incumbent, Senator Dianne Feinstein, still hasn't said whether she's going to seek re-election. But these recent announcements seem to indicate a race for early supporters. $4 million a week to run a 30-second TV ad statewide in California. Race, gender, and age will be discussed in the campaign as candidates seek to identify with an increasingly diverse base of voters in the state. The stakes are high because Senate seats don't change hands too often in California. The winner could be there for a long time. Feinstein was first elected in 1992. Barbara Boxer was the state's junior senator for 24 years. Joining me to talk about the race is Shira Stein, the Chronicle's Washington correspondent. Shira, let's talk about Senator Feinstein. Her term ends in 2024. She will be 91 years old. Has she said if she intends to run for re-election? She hasn't. So we're still waiting to hear what she plans to say. Um, her staff has said she's focused on, you know, doing the work of the people, et cetera, the, the answers that politicians typically give. But at this point, we don't know anything official. Now we all have our theories and our inclinations of what we think she's going to do. But at this point, we really just don't know for sure. If she decides to run for re-election, you know, I'm a, a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan. If she runs for re-election, I will wear a Cleveland Browns jersey and walk from the Chronicle building to the Embarcadero yelling, Go Browns. <sighs> I do not think she's going to run for re-election, but we will we will see. We're always surprised. You know, the way that Washington works, something always happens that surprises me. So Senator Feinstein gets a lot of respect, both in California and nationally, for being a barrier-breaking political pioneer. Back in the late 60s, she was one of the first women to serve on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. She was the first female mayor of San Francisco and, along with former Senator Barbara Boxer, they were the first women elected to the Senate in 1992 from California. But in the last few months, she's passed on taking on a leadership role in the Senate. She rarely makes public appearances. Um, what is the state of Dianne Feinstein these days? We don't see a lot of uh, Senator Feinstein uh, these days. You probably see more of her in the in the hallways of uh, the Senate uh, than we do here in California, where she rarely makes public appearances. Last fall, uh, she passed on a position that would put her third in line to the presidency. She said the timing isn't right. She wanted to focus on uh, bills about uh, wildfire and drought, and uh, she's still mourning the death of her husband, Dick Blum, who, who passed uh, last year. But, you know, that goes on the heels of uh, her uh, no longer being the top Democrat on the Senate Judiciary Committee, a very powerful, visible uh, position. That's why I say it's unlikely that I don't think that she's going to run again. Uh, Of course, uh, our our former colleague, Tal Copen, and I uh, reported last year that uh, many Democrats uh, and others had concerns about her mental acuity and and whether she was fit to serve in office. It it would be a, a very big surprise if she ran again. I mean, even in Washington, yes, she comes to votes. She does 
her job as she needs to, but she doesn't necessarily go to extraneous events. I noticed when the president of Ukraine did his speech in the Capitol, she wasn't there. And I asked her staff and they said she was watching it with staff in her office. That's another choice that they that they made and that she made um, is not to come to a big event like that, of which there aren't very many in Washington. Sure. You also confirmed that Congresswoman Barbara Lee is making plans to run. And on Thursday, Congressman Adam Schiff joined the race. What do each of them bring to this campaign? Congresswoman Barbara Lee, there haven't been very many black women in the Senate. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But she also has a really long history as a progressive in California. She's represented Oakland for many, many years, uh, voted against the 2001 authorization of use of military force that's still used today in many instances. So she's really unique. She's also a big political ally of our current vice president, also from the East Bay. And then Congressman Adam Schiff, a lot of folks know him now because of his work during impeachment, during the January 6th investigation, during all of these major legal things that were just revolutionary for our country. He's also, again, been in Congress for quite a while, is an ally of Dianne Feinstein and other top Democrats in the House and Senate. He's a little bit more in the middle when it comes to democratic policies and also from SoCal. So I think it's going to be a really interesting race with just the three of them. And we could also see more people jump in. Who who are some of those other candidates who might be thinking about jumping into the race? Congressman Rokana, he sort of talked and said he may not with Barbara Lee is jumping in, um, but we'll see. The thing about Roe is that he and Barbara Lee kind of occupy the, a similar lane. They uh, Roe was the chair, one of the national chairs of Bernie Sanders' presidential campaign. Barbara Lee also was a former uh, chair of the Progressive Caucus. So I don't know how where Roe would fit in there. Two of those candidates, Schiff and Porter, are from Southern California. Barbara Lee's from the Bay, so is Rakana. How does geography figure into this race? Bay Area voters, uh, and, we, and we'll say Bay Area all the way up to Sacramento, more high propensity voters. This campaign is going to be fought in the Bay Area. So if Barbara Lee is the only Northern California candidate, she will have a, a leg up in, in, uh, in appealing to those voters. That's an advantage for Barbara Lee. There just are more people who vote in the Bay Area and in Northern California than in Southern California. And so that's a huge advantage. Yes. We should also say this is a fundraising capital as well. Uh, although Schiff and Porter definitely are, are excellent fundraisers. Yeah, definitely. Joe, the other night you went to Rossmore, which is a retirement community in Contra Costa County, where Katie Porter held the first event of her campaign, which is wild to me that it's already happened. How did it go? There were 500 people there. Rossmore, the Rossmore Democratic Club, bills itself as the largest Democratic club in the country. It's very active. These are the people sending texts and postcards. And they gave Katie Porter a standing ovation. Now, she said the focus of her campaign and the focus of her work in the Senate is going to be oversight. And that's something she's already known for. We've seen that in these viral moments that she's created over the last couple of years, like when she grilled the CEO of Chase Bank, Jamie Dimon. She was asking him why he couldn't pay bank tellers a living wage. Well, I appreciate your desire to be helpful, but what I'd like you to do is provide a way for families to make ends meet so that little kids who are six years old living in a one-bedroom apartment with their mother aren't going hungry at night because they're $567 short. Mr. Diamond, you know how to spend $31 million a year in salary, and you can't figure out how to make up a $567 a month 
shortfall. This is a budget problem you cannot solve. And she makes the rich and powerful very uncomfortable. She said she would continue to do that. The political advantage of that is oversight is something that appeals to everyone, left, right, and center. Everybody wants someone to go into Washington and, and keep an eye on their money. The Porter campaign feels that independent voters are going to be the swing voters in this, uh, and, and, and that is something oversight appeals to them. It would be really fascinating to watch her bring the kind of questioning she's done in the House to the Senate. After the break, we'll talk about money and campaign donations. That's coming up after this. We'll be right back. You can support Fifth Emission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Shira Stein is the Chronicle's correspondent in Washington. Uh, Shira, let's talk about money now. One of the first things that donors and reporters look at when a race starts is how much money each of these campaigns have in the bank. California is too big of a state to, to rely on shaking hands and kissing babies. It costs about $4 million bucks a week to run a 30-second TV ad statewide. How much are each of these candidates starting out with? Katie Porter started out with $7.7 million on cash in hand. Um, her campaign said that she raised $1.3 million online within the first 24 hours of announcing her candidacy. She spent about $25 million last year because her House district got redrawn and it was more heavily GOP. Uh, Adam Schiff has nearly $21 million cash on hand. His district is largely Democratic, and so it's it was a pretty easy re-election for his campaign. And very interestingly, Barbara Lee has about $55,000. Now, Joe, I know you wrote a little bit about why that is and sort of what we could see when it comes to her fundraising efforts. A couple of years ago on this very podcast... I asked Barbara Lee about how difficult it is for her, national progressive icon, to raise money. Here's what she said. For me to raise money, being a black woman progressive is 10 times harder than it is for anybody else. She's never really had to raise a lot of money because she, she routinely wins her races with 80% of the vote. She's trying to raise money now. She's confident that she can do that and tap into progressive donor networks and to raise enough money to be competitive. Maybe not as much as Schiff or Porter, but she feels that she can do enough to, uh, to, to be competitive. But it's, it's going to be a slog. We know this is a controversial question, but with the questions about Senator Feinstein in the last couple of years and her ability to do the job, age is going to be an issue in this campaign. The Senate is a very, very old institution in terms of the age of most of the senators. And this campaign, we're seeing three candidates with very different ages. Katie Porter is 49, Adam Schiff is 62, and Barbara Lee is 76. Joe, you reported the other day that Lee's campaign is going to talk about this when she runs. What's their strategy? Barbara Lee is hearing the same question that she's hearing from us. She's hearing it from donors. They say, hey, we, we love your, your stances over the years. You're an icon, et cetera, et cetera. But hey, you're 76. Given who's holding the office now... 89-year-old uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein, there's some concern about that. So Barbara Lee is telling donors, hey, uh, I'm only, it's, um, let's think of this as a one-term. 
these seats don't turn over uh, very often. <laughs> As we said earlier, uh, Feinstein and Boxer were in from 1992 and until Boxer retired in 2016. This is a chance to elect a black woman and a black woman who's been an icon for many Democrats for years. I mean, seniority really matters in the Senate. It matters what committees you get on, what people listen to you. Joe, you also started to talk about this a little bit, but race will be an element to this campaign. There are currently no black women in the Senate and only three black men. Only two black women have ever been elected to the Senate. That's in its entire history. How will race be a factor in this campaign? Barbara Lee's that's going to be a, a major uh, part of her campaign. She's saying, hey, representation matters. And uh, here you have a chance to elect a black woman who has uh, been serving in elective office, uh, both in the state legislature and in, in the House uh, since 1990. And that's going to be a challenge for Adam Schiff, because um, if he were to get elected, there would be two men representing California. Given the diversity of the state, given how that's a priority for many Democrats in the state, you know, he's going to be running as the white guy, as the straight white guy. So that is going to be a challenge uh, for him in, in this state, certainly. And I have every confidence the voters will choose what's most important to them at this moment in our history. And they'll consider uh, accomplishments and track record and leadership and vision and they'll consider gender and race. And all of those, all those factors are appropriate considerations. Um, and I have, you know, more than enough trust in the voters to decide what's most important at this moment in our history. That's Schiff explaining what he would tell voters who might like him personally, but might not want to elect a straight white guy to represent such a diverse state. I also asked Porter, who's white, what her response would be to those who think that the Senate should be more racially diverse. We need a more diverse representational landscape. That's absolutely clear. And the Senate, as well as the House, needs to do that work. But I think every candidate needs to make their own choice about whether to enter this race, what they're going to fight for, whose voices they're going to lift up. Um, and I'm really excited about having launched my campaign. We sort of talked earlier about the Southern California versus Northern California dichotomy. Traditionally, senators from California have been from the Bay Area. And Alex Padilla, current other current senator, is not from the Bay Area. So if Katie Porter or Adam Schiff were elected, this would be the first time in many, many years that neither senator from California was from the Bay. And I think, I don't know how much that'll play into the race, but I think it is something that a lot of us are thinking about. Yes, I think that, I think our friends and neighbors are thinking about that here. And, and Joe, we've been talking about Democrats this entire time. What about Republicans? What would it mean if a Republican ran in this race and who might run? If a named Republican ran a, a, with, a, with a decent campaign, then it is less likely that the campaign in November would feature uh, two Democrats. Because as we know here in California, in the primary, the two candidates with the most votes, regardless of party, advanced to the general election in November. Uh, the challenge is that there's really, as it looks now, no Republican who would have the desire or ability to run a decent Senate campaign. The Republican donors are also not very excited about funding a U.S. Senate campaign where they know there's a, a very slight possibility that they would win. There's going to be a presidential race next year. So the donors are, are looking to those presidential campaigns. They'll get more uh, a bang for their for their investment buck there. But if a Republican were to, to squeak into the top two, 
that means that, you know, someone could get in there with, you know, 18, 20 percent of the vote. Every vote will count in the Senate race. It, it will be very interesting to watch. But, you know, whenever you ask someone this, they're like, well, what if there's an Arnold Schwarzenegger running? Like, there, there's only been one Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I don't, I don't see any other Republican movie stars and, and international bodybuilding champions out there. I don't know. Shara, do you know any? Uh, not that I can think of. <laughs> You know, Feinstein has said that tends to announce if she's running for re-election by the spring. Now, if she doesn't run, how much will a DiFi endorsement be worth? I don't know. I am really curious to see because obviously she she has been so well respected in California and especially in the Bay Area for decades. And so normally I would say yes, like her endorsement matters a great deal. But Katie Porter decided to announce her campaign before DiFi made her her decision to make her announcement publicly. And to me, that sort of says, oh, I'm not going to try and get her endorsement. I mean, she's probably still going to attempt to, but she's not counting on it. So I think it's going to be sort of a toss up here because of the issues that Diane Feinstein has faced in recent years, whether or not her endorsement actually matters a great deal in this race. Yeah, I mean, a, a DiFi endorsement in the year 2000 might have meant something, but I don't know about 2024. I mean, she has a 30% approval rating uh, among uh, likely voters here in California, 49% disapproval, even 45% Democrats. That's that's her approval rate among Democrats and 25% among independents. It's not a game, the game changer it might have been uh, back in the day. Shira, thank you so much for being on It's All Political on Fifth and Mission. Thanks, Joe. I'd like to thank you all for listening and hope that you and your family are safe and healthy. I'd like to thank Shira Stein, the Chronicles Washington correspondent, for joining me today. Uh, This episode was produced by Francesca Fenzi. I'm Joe Garofoli. And remember, whether your hat's in the ring or still on your head, it's all political on Fifth and Mission.